It was a wild and wacky scene in Boone, North Carolina on Saturday in front of 40,000 fans with North Carolina surviving, and I mean surviving, two separate two-point conversion attempts in the final 31 seconds to escape with the victory. But escape they did, and the Tar Heels are 2-0. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Monday, September 5th, 2022, Labor Day. Hope you're getting some rest today, maybe eating some hot dogs. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or your first watch every single day. It's the only daily North Carolina show out there. Please don't forget that we're free and available anywhere you get podcasts. Super easy to subscribe right now and it's free. doesn't cost you a thing. Go ahead and do it so you make sure to get your team every day. Also, for those of you watching, please, if you would, smash the like button and leave some comments on your thoughts on yesterday's game as well. For new listeners, welcome in. We're so glad you're here. What we do with game recaps is we start with some big picture takeaways. And here's the most important one of yesterday. Everything else falls apart other than what I said in the cold open. North Carolina is 2-0, period, full stop. Yes, they had to survive those two-point conversions, one of which they made a play on, the other they just got lucky, and several costly penalties down the stretch, a few of which I might throw in were a little bit questionable, but, you know, they had to survive all that to get there, but they did, and they're undefeated heading into their third game at Georgia State. But listen, I get it, right? The defense isn't where people would like it to be. Um, There's going to be a lot of grumbling about it, a a lot of question marks still out there of of things unanswered. But hear this, if you're going to grumble about the defense in the same breath, you have to be able to praise what the offense is doing, because unless you're some oracle that I'm not, I the, the offense has far surpassed what I dreamed, hoped or imagined it would be through these first two games. I mean, for crying out loud, you don't have your top two receivers two wide receivers yesterday, and you're dropping 63 points on the road? Yeah, that is phenomenal. So sure, the defense has a lot of a lot of growth that needs to happen. It's two weeks now. That That's not just a coincidence. That's a pattern. But the offense has also established a pattern, and it's on the other side. But now, back to the win and being 2-0. Remember, last time these two teams played in Chapel Hill, by the way, App State won 34-31. Granted, it was Mac Mac Brown's first year back. It was Sam Howell's freshman year. And so there's that. But this is going to Boone, a stadium that had more than 10,000 over its capacity in attendance yesterday. And it's not just some throwaway uh, team, um, group of five team, right? This is a, a team that everywhere I've seen, like group of five rankings, they're in the top 10. I saw... Um, somebody's today where they had them top four. So this isn't some throwaway. They're, they're receiving votes in both AP and coaches poll. App State is a phenomenal football team. Keep in mind, the Tar Heels also were riding a five-game road losing streak. Hadn't won since December 12th of 2020 when they embarrassed Miami 62-26. to So this is a huge deal to get this win. Do not take it for granted. 
Next thing for me, next big picture takeaway. Carolina got up off the mat yesterday. My hope coming in, and I said this in, in several places, is that they would punch App State in the mouth and then just never look back. Just uh, uh, assert themselves as the dominant team and then keep on riding. But they didn't. They, they took several blows and were down 21-7. They're facing a, a third and 11 at midfield. And at that point, I was like, man, this might very well not happen. Carolina might get run out of town here. But 34 unanswered points later, they've turned a 21-7 deficit into a 41-21 lead heading into the fourth quarter. Now, <laughs> the fourth quarter is a wholly different story. But from that deficit, they got up off the mat and punched back on the road in a crazy, raucous environment. That's what I want to see from this chiefly very young team. Now, that wacky fourth quarter, let's let's get to there and the score in total and its history because this was something to behold. As a reminder, 63-61, that's a Big Ten basketball score. That's not a football score. Uh, heading into the game, where at least where I had seen the over-under was set at 57 and a half. For crying out loud, congrats if you took the over because both teams hit the over on their own. Uh, the fourth quarter hit the over on its own. 62 points scored in total in the fourth quarter. So, I, I mean, it's just ridiculous all the points that were scored. 124 combined points. That's the most ever in a Carolina football game. The previous high was 118 set back in 2012 against Georgia Tech in Keenan Stadium. Wow, crazy there. Now, the, the fourth quarter itself, this was, uh, as my wife said to me yesterday, a snip, snap, snip, snap that Michael Scott himself would have been proud of. I mean, it was just like wild momentum swings, crazy plays. It really bogged it down. Too many reviews, too many penalties, all this stuff. But um, apps, App State's 44th quarter points were the most the Tar Heels had ever allowed in any single quarter in program history. Something's got to be fixed there. Just a wild, wild fourth quarter. A couple lineup things I want to make sure to note from yesterday that are big picture takeaways for me, maybe in the short term, uh, but perhaps in the long term as well. Two of the highly touted true freshmen moved into the starting offensive lineup yesterday. Um, one is Andre Green Jr., who is this uh, beast of a receiver. And keep in mind, he wasn't starting because Josh Downs was out. No, that's Kobe Pesor. Andre Green is just starting because he's starting. And then Omarion Hampton got the start at running back as well. So you had two of your 11 offensive starters yesterday are true freshmen. In fact, of the 11 starters, I, I realized this post-game. There was this weird divide between the skill position players and the linemen and tight ends. So of your starting quarterback, running back, and three wide receivers, so that's five, you had two true freshmen, Green and Hampton, we've already talked about, and three redshirt freshmen in Gavin Blackwell, Kobe Pesor, and Drake May. But as for your offensive linemen and tight end, all six of those, all five linemen and Kamari Morales starting at tight end, all six of those are seniors or grad transfers. So, and I know some of that is, is Josh Downs being out, so Kobe Pesor starts in his place. But 
all of your skill position players, minus tight end, who you can lump in with the linemen, are all freshmen, true freshmen or redshirt freshmen. And all six of your offensive linemen and tight end are seniors or grad students. So you've got this weird uh, experience, inexperience dichotomy between those two groups. So far, it's going great, uh, but really interested to see how that goes moving forward. Obviously, as you get um, Antoine Green back and Josh Downs back, you're going to have more experience in the receiver position, but you're feeling good about where things are at. Who knows if Hampton continues to start in the backfield, you might see DJ Jones come back or, or Caleb Hood, who had a big day, um, but just an interesting dynamic there. Speaking of those receivers, this was probably the biggest headline coming in is that people were up in arms about Josh Downs not being able to start. What's going to happen with the receivers? Who's going to step up? What's going to happen? And that's not just with wide receivers. Can tight ends step up? Can any of the running backs step up and make plays um, in Josh Downs' absence? And boy, let me tell you, step up they did. Nine different receivers caught a ball. Ten had caught a ball in the first week. You take Josh Downs out of that mix and you got nine. Um, but what's really cool is that Kobe Pesor, Downs fill-in, is the one that led the way. 92 yards and a touchdown, caught all eight targets that came his way. So credit to he and Drake May and the line for all of that. Man, eight catches on eight targets. Um, you chip in J.J. Jones, had four catches for 69 yards. Josh, um, uh, excuse me, Kamari Morales and... Uh, Nesbitt both caught three receptions each and all four of the running backs that got in the game had at least one reception. That's good news and good stuff there. The receivers stepping up, the pass catchers stepping up in big ways in Josh Downs' absence. Love to see that. My final big picture thing from yesterday, not, no analysis, no stats, no numbers, just my favorite moment of the entire day. Drake May goes in and scores his first career rushing touchdown, right side of the end zone. And as he veers off, who is right there waiting on him? None other than Mr. Sam Howell. Just a super cool, almost like passing the torch moment. If you didn't get to see that, it's on uh, the clip of it's on my Twitter. I know a bunch of other people ended up posting it as well. All sorts of neat moments in yesterday's game. That's all the big picture stuff. Where do we head next? My three plays. What three plays changed the game? We're going to talk about that right after I tell you about Built Bar. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And there's a new flavor. Delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again with your new favorite cookie dough chunk puffs. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of having to make it. Plus, as you know, if you know about Built, it's healthy for you. Only 160 calories in these puffs and 15 grams of protein for you. So make sure to run to built.com right now to snag a box for you and the family. Going to be a perfect treat for you. Or if you want it just for yourself, go ahead and hide it away. Like all built bars, the new cookie dough chunk puff is covered in 100% real chocolate. Chocolate covered cookie dough with a light fluffy texture. So good. What's great about Built Bars is that all of them are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of other, other health benefits for you. You're going to love the new cookie dough chunk puff. So go to Built.com right now, use promo code LOCKEDON15 and get 15% off your order. That's 15% off with promo code LOCKEDON15. 
All right, so where we head next after big picture takeaways is what are the three moments, the three plays that, that I thought stood out in big ways for one reason or another? Could be bad, could be good, could be just important long-term. The first of which, for me, is the onside kick that Bryson Nesbitt, I think I said Josh Nesbitt earlier, Bryson Nesbitt took back for a touchdown. This was after App State's first two-point conversion that failed. Um, they go for an onside kick. Here is why I choose this play. It's emblematic for me, both of the great potential that Carolina has and the necessary growth and maturation process of this team. Listen, it was a beautiful play design, beautiful execution. It was blocked well. It was like this Red Sea parting for Nesbitt to run through after he uh, grabbed the kick. Nothing but green in front of him. It was brilliant, wonderful, great hands from him, great run, great blocking all around. Except, here's the issue. Nesbitt should have simply grabbed the ball and either fallen on it, taken a knee, or gone out of bounds. Huh? Score. Go score points when you can. Not in this moment. Here's why. There's 31 seconds left. App State has just one timeout. Carolina has the lead and their hands on the ball. If Nesbitt just downs it, falls on it, goes out of bounds, whatever, you get into victory formation. Drake May takes two knees, one for the timeout, and then one, it's under 40 seconds. The play clock's going to run out. Ball game. You get on the bus. You head to Chapel Hill. Instead, Nesbitt scores. Carolina, after the point after, Carolina's up eight, which is a one possession game, a touchdown, a two point conversion. App State gets the ball back, not much time, but there is time. And as you well know, they score another touchdown and have another two point conversion to send it into overtime. Thankfully, uh, Noah Taylor makes a play, I believe, with Kyman Rucker coming in to finish off uh, Chase Bryce there. And so, great play. Way to go. You made it. But, like, even if Nesbitt scoring had made it a two-possession game, I still don't want to give my opponent the ball back with the op any opportunity there. I want to make plays and decisions that keep control of the ball game in my hands, and that's not what happened. Earlier in the game, knock yourself out. Go score all the points you want. Keep adding to the lead. But at this juncture of the game, it's not points that you need. It's possession, and it's running time off the clock. And so bottom line here, why I picked this is because you got to know time and score. I'm not sure what the coaching staff said. Hopefully they were saying, hey, if you get this, fall on it, get out of bounds, whatever you got to do. Coach Brown even said immediately after the game, uh, like, we, we got to fall on the ball there. That's a missed opportunity. And so uh, that's my first big play takeaway. The second one for me was Kobe Pesor's touchdown. Um, sometimes important plays that I pick in this moment are specific to that game. And, and it was great. Touchdown for Pesor, first of his career. Love that. But sometimes the plays I pick are for long-term reasons. And this is one of those moments. Why? Because this is another moment showing what Drake May is capable of doing and why he does it. Now, in real time, you might have thought, like Pesor's coming across the end zone, has to reach back across his body to catch this pass and catch it. He does. He's an athletic slot receiver. He can make those kind of plays. And so in real time, you might've thought, oh shoot, uh, Drake may missed him, threw it behind him. Um, but nice adjustment from Pesor to catch it. But here's the thing. Watch it back. As Pesor's coming across the end zone, there's a DB right there 
that is ready to blow him up as soon as he catches it, maybe jar the ball from his hands, no touchdown there. And so upon further review, Drake May is purposefully throwing Kobe Pesor open and away from a hit instead of leading him further in the direction he's going, which is going to bring him, it looked, head on with the defensive back. He forces him to contort his body back the other way, throws him to his back shoulder, his trailing shoulder, leaving him open and leaving him, like stopping a potential pick and stopping Pesor from getting blown up. That, to me, is another example of Drake May just making a heady, great throw and another great decision. Uh, again, same as, as last week against FAMU, uh, I, I do not want to see him jumping in the air anymore. Got to make better decisions in the, in, uh, how he finishes a run. But other than that, I'm loving Drake May's decision making. Keep it going. All right. And then my final of the three plays is actually a combination of two. And here's why. There's been a lot of love so far in, of the running backs for the two true freshmen, Omarion Hampton and George Petaway. They're killing it, doing a great job. I want to take some time to give a little bit of love to the other two running backs in the game yesterday that were not the true freshmen, and that's Caleb Hood and DJ Jones. Let's start with Caleb Hood. The, here are two just big, important plays down the stretch of this game. We're still in the first five minutes of the fourth quarter. App State has gone on a 14-0 run to get within six at this point. It's 41-35. Ensuing kickoff touchback get the ball at 25 first play from scrimmage my man Caleb Hood rumbles 71 yards gets caught at the four yard line that's one of those oh so close to pay dirt but he just doesn't quite get there but 71 yards that's obviously a huge tribute to the offensive line paving the way clearing a path and Hood for getting into the right hole and running through it all the way down as far as he can two plays later Marion Hampton punches it in and uh, a Drake made two-point conversion later, and you're back to a 14-point lead. At that point, again, you've stopped now a 14-0 App State run and seemed like maybe you've slammed the door. You came into the fourth quarter up 20 points. App State's got some momentum, and now you've stopped it. Why? Because of this huge, long, game-changing run. That stops all the momentum, deflates all the home energy out of, this out of the stadium because of what just happened. But then, now we move from Caleb Hood to DJ Jones. App State has another 14-0 run. This ties things up with four minutes to go. Once again, App State has gained all the momentum. You've got a, a young skill set out there for the offensive skill positions. And you're like, man, maybe App State is going to come and steal this back when on their home turf. Heels have the ball. They're down to the State 42, third and nine. You just don't know what's going to happen here. You imagine it's four down territory, but you also don't want to give up the ball near midfield on turnover on downs. Drake May finds a wide open DJ Jones leaking out of the backfield, streaking down the middle. They complete the pitch and catch, and he waltzes in, almost untouched, basically. Carolina takes a lead with two, two and change to go after App State had once again stolen momentum towards the end of the fourth quarter. Now, don't take this play for granted. In those moments, those are some of the hardest things. You saw that with App State's first two-point conversion. The, the receiver is either overthrown a little bit. It also kind of looked like if he had kept running instead of starting to reach up, he probably could have got under it and caught it. So don't take this kind of wide open pitch and catch for granted. Make 
uh, Drake May has to put the right air under it, the right touch on it. Jones has to haul it in and like kind of difficult sometimes leaking out of the backfield down the middle of the field where, you know, you got to find what shoulder your angle and all that, but they complete it and he's gone. And Carolina has the lead back in the closing minutes. We know again, the craziness that ensued after that, but Caleb hood, huge momentum, shifting 71 yard run DJ Jones, huge 42 yard uh, touchdown reception to give Carolina the lead back. Great plays all of these that are happening. You love to see players stepping up and doing what they need to do down the stretch in a raucous uh, road environment. So here's where we go now from the three plays to the three stars and my shady stat of the game. I want to start with the three players of the game by giving out an honorable mention. And this is to Noah Burnett. Carolina's field goal kicker had no attempts on field goals, at least in the first game, had a bunch of point afters, obviously, but in his first two career attempts yesterday on the road connects on a 47 yarder and a 44 yarder. Those are not gimmies for college kickers and uh, hit both of those in the third quarter to just kind of help picking up on that 34 0 run that Carolina went on. And so just honorable mention to him for doing that. Now on to the three, my three stars of the game. Number one, Cedric Gray, the, the head of the defense. I know Power Eccles Power had the most tackles last week, double digits with 10, uh, but Cedric Gray stepped in and showed what he's going to do this year yesterday. Finished with 13 tackles, six of which were solo. That matches his career high 13, does he? Also had an interception, Carolina's only takeaway of the game. Yes, he did have that one face mask penalty, but it was one of those scenarios where he's getting stiff-armed and you just instinctively reach out for all you can find and just an unfortunate moment there. But I thought it was huge that Cedric Gray, I, I, he and Ray Vahasek are the two like returning stalwarts of this defense and uh, Gray has to be that man. He doesn't have to be the leading tackler every week, but he has to set the tone every week. And he very much very much did that yesterday. I think we're going to see, as I've said uh, kind of all week long and last week, a trade-off of he and Power Eccles probably being one the leading tackler, one of the two of them every week. Yesterday, it was Cedric Gray with those 13 tackles. Um, and, and I'm excited to see them trade off. You want to see these linebackers do that, especially getting ready to face a run-heavy Georgia State team next week. They're going to have to be big in helping step up and stop the run. But Cedric Gray, huge game yesterday, both in tackles and leadership. He's got to be the tone setter on the defense every week. My number two star of the game, we've already talked about him, but I want to give him love here in this moment, is Kobe Pesor. Prior to yesterday's start in lieu of Josh Downs' absence, he had played in one game last year, three snaps, caught one ball for seven yards. That's great. You get three snaps and you get a target. Love it. But suddenly, uh, he's thrust into a starting role in place of one of the best wide receivers in the country in a huge road environment, and he steps up in a major, major way. As we've already said, not only did he fill in for downs, he led the team in receptions and receiving yards, had that touchdown catch that we talked about. He took this huge opportunity in front of him and made the absolute most of it. He caught every ball thrown his way, eight targets, eight receptions. But here's what I want to mention about those targets and receptions. Four of his eight catches were on third down to help Carolina uh, keep a drive alive. 
I mean, that's not just some random first down throw. That is pressure on you. Drake may trust you to go to you, which is great because you're roommates. You love that. And not only that, but do you you convert each one of them? Love to see that from Kobe Pesor. Uh, man, just we are seeing some real depth in the receiver room based on that. And so what I love that this does long term is it gives Mac Brown the opportunity to say, maybe we don't need to rush Josh Downs back next week against Georgia State. Because why? You got Georgia State, then you got an off week, and then Notre Dame. If you can give Josh Downs two more weeks of rest, bring him back for Notre Dame, why not? I think what Kobe Pesor did yesterday gives Matt Brown that confidence where he says, hey, let's roll him out there again. Let Josh get fully healthy. No reason to rush him back on the field unless he's 100% and ready to go. Okay. Final star of the game, my third star, and forgive me, but it's the biggest no-brainer of all time right here, Drake May. I feel like we're probably going to wind up putting him in this category, in this section just about every week, but for good reason. Like how, how like the wonder is how does he follow up the Florida A&M game? Does he, is he bothered? Is he more off kilter in his first road start ever? Not a bit, not phased by these 40,000 fans, by the crazy environment in Kid Brewer Stadium just did work. In fact, kind of grew on the first week in some ways. Didn't throw five touchdowns like he did in the first week, but was 24 for 36 on passing attempts, 352 yards, his, three, his first 300-yard game, four passing touchdowns, rushed 12 times for 76 yards, and as we've already said, his first career rushing touchdown, so he was still responsible for five touchdowns, had a great two-minute drill at the end of the first half. You love to see all these things, but here's where it gets really neat. When we start looking at what he's done in these first two games, he's 53 of 73, 646 yards, 72.6% completion rate, nine touchdown passes, one rushing touchdown. Oh, by the way, no picks. He's thrown 73 passes this year. Not one of them has been intercepted. And it's not like he's gotten lucky and they've been dropped. Like he's just making great decisions. Those nine touchdown passes, by the way, the most through the first two games of a season in UNC history and the most by a quarterback in his first two starts. Yeah, Drake May is a dude and just just keep watching. Curious to see how he follows up again on week three. Speaking of what Drake May has done so far, this leads me to the shady stat of the game. Or should I say, in this case, it's going to be the shady stat of the first two games. Why? Because it's not specific to yesterday. This is going to be the totality of these first two starts of his career. Just some history around what he's done, at least recent history. And it's two things. Amongst power five quarterbacks with the most TD passes through the first two games of their true or redshirt freshman seasons, going back through at least 2000, here's who has the most. You ready? Philip Rivers, heard of him? 2000 had eight touchdown passes. Sam Bradford in 2007, he did all right. Eight touchdown passes in those first two games. Spencer Rattler at this point still uh, in 2020, eight touchdown passes. You hear where I'm going? Drake May this year, nine touchdown passes in the first two starts of his redshirt freshman year. That's historic. Uh, what about a little blind quarterback comparison? By the way, that last one, credit to Matt Zenitz on Twitter for that one. A little blind quarterback comparison. Quarterback A, you ready? 46 of 65, 
571 yards, seven touchdowns, zero rushing yards. This is in the first two games of the season. Quarterback B, 54 of 76, 749 yards, nine TDs, one interception, 10 rushing yards. And quarterback C, 53 of 73, 646 yards, nine touchdowns, 131 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown, zero interceptions. Those numbers are all pretty comparable there, right? I would say even uh, quarterback C probably on aggregate is higher up than quarterbacks A or B. Guess who they all are? Quarterback A, Bryce Young's 2021 Heisman season. That's what he did in his first two games. Quarterback B, oh, that's just Joe Burrow's Heisman season in 2019 in his first two games. Quarterback C, that's what Drake May has done in the first two games of this season. Right at or above what the last two quarterback Heisman winning players have done in their first two games of their Heisman winning seasons. Drake May is on par or above that. That's what he's doing. And that's my shady stats of the first two games of the season. Well, friends, that's it for Monday's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Whew! Survive in advance. It's like March Madness here in Carolina football games. Hopefully a little bit easier next week at Georgia State. Coming up this week on the show, Coach Pat Kilby and I are going to share our top 10 UNC basketball teams of all time and where we think this season's team will fit. On Thursday, we're going to have a Georgia State crossover episode and then our Georgia State preview on Friday. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at Locked on Heels. You can follow me at Isaac Shade. Now for your second listen, let me encourage you to go check out the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022, an eight-episode extravaganza to get you ready for this NFL season starting this week. The local team experts of Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey NFL Insiders all combining into one Ultimate NFL Preview. Search for Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Hey, thanks so much for spending part of your Monday hanging out with me, recapping Carolina's football game from Saturday. Goodness gracious, they won, they did it, they survived. On to next week. Hey, remember, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel, especially when you're 2-0. Until tomorrow. Peace.